Amen. You guys can have a seat. It is good to be back among you, if I'm being honest. It is so good to be back with you guys. We will be continuing our series, if I'm being honest, where we've been looking through uh, the collection, the book of the Psalms. And so today, we're going to be talking about another one of those, uh, specifically Psalm 130. Uh, This psalm is anonymous. And if you remember back, way, way back to when Todd did the uh, introduction to this series, um, he, he told us that the book of Psalms, this collection of writings, is divided up into five books. So the book of Psalms is uh, actually a collection of, uh, of Psalms that are divided up into five other books. <clears throat> This psalm, Psalm 130, is a part of that fifth book. It's also the part of another smaller collection uh, in the book of the Psalms. That collection is called the Songs of Ascents. The Songs of Ascents. Um, The Songs of Ascents make up the Psalms number 120 through number 134. Fifteen psalms that are uh, in sequence, and they're called the Songs of Ascents. These psalms were likely sung by devout and capable Hebrew pilgrims, what I mean is physically capable, <clears throat> to make the journey to Jerusalem for these annual feasts that would be held. These feasts were probably more like what we would think of as a festival, but they were a festival of worship. And there would be different ones that would occur throughout the year. And the area of Palestine was was laid out in such a way, topographically speaking, that Jerusalem would have been a city on a hill, which is why we call it a city on a hill. Uh, It would have been one of the highest points in all of the region. So much of the journey that these um, Hebrew people would have been making was spent climbing in elevation. Of course, it would ebb and flow, I'm sure, but, but overall, there was elevation to be gained. And so as they made the journey, these people would sing in sequence these songs of ascents. They would climb physically. They also would keep their minds um, upwardly focused on God. And so not only were they ascending physically, but they were mentally focused above on God. And for this group of people, There was no, um, not no, but very little distinction between events of worship and lifestyle of worship. Does that make sense what I'm saying here? So they weren't just uh, walking into the church house on Sunday, forgetting about it until next Sunday. I mean, they were a people characterized by a lifestyle of worship. And so um, they would climb towards Jerusalem. They had their focus upward on God because they were about to meet with him in a special way. But their lives were that of a a spiritual maturation process. So in those three ways, this idea of ascending, we see kind of fleshed out. The travelers were focused on God and they were spiritually maturing. They were headed up to Jerusalem singing these songs of ascent. Uh, The one we're going to look at this morning, Psalm 130, it's just one. 
It's one amongst a whole gamut of psalms that focus in on um, different emotions, different ideas, reasons to worship God. And there's a famous author. uh, He's responsible for writing the translation, the message. His name is Eugene Peterson, an incredibly brilliant man of God. Uh, In fact, he says that he wrote the translation, the message, for his congregation, he had no intentions of it being a, a broadly broadcasted translation. It was just to help his preaching and his uh, flock's understanding of the scripture. He also wrote this book uh, entitled A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, um, which is a book about discipleship, and it's based on the Songs of Ascent. So he does this introductory chapter about discipleship, and then the rest of the chapters are, are each one of these songs of ascent where he gains different aspects of what it means to be a good, faithful disciple and follower of Jesus. So if you will, take out your Bibles or your phone or whatever it is that you use to read God's Word. It'll be on the screen behind me as well, and let's read Psalm 130. Out of the depths I have cried to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul does wait. And in his word do I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning. Indeed, more than the watchman for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is loving kindness. And with him is abundant redemption. He will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Father in heaven. We pray that you would speak to us this morning through your living and active word, which you breathed out. May we hope in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This psalm can be broken down in my look at it into four sections, and each one of these sections uh, is, is chock full of two verses. Um, and so these eight verses I, I look at and break down into four sections. The first two being this desperate cry. Uh, the second section, a conviction and forgiveness. Uh, third is kind of this longing for. And then finally, the fourth section, hope and redemption. And I read an article preparing to preach this by an author named Martin Siegel. And he, I'm sure much to the pleasure of many of you, none uh, maybe so much as Nick Calloway, he alliterates these sections uh, for us. And so he would break them down like this. The weeping, the welcome, the waiting, and the worship. A pastor of mine for a lot of years, uh, Brother Glenn Tropp, he just passed away Saturday. And uh, I think he would be, I think he'd be okay with that set of alliterated points, don't you, Julie? Um, he, was, he was the master of that. Uh, the first section, the weeping. We see this desperate cry 
Uh, we see the psalmist cries out from the depths. He begs the Lord to hear his anguished prayer. Out of the depths I have cried to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive. He pleads, he begs, he desperately cries out in anguish to the Lord. And then in the second section, the welcoming, we see that he doesn't make little of his sin. Again, he does not make little of his sin, nor of the sin of humanity, saying this, that no one is worthy or even capable of standing in the presence of a holy and awesome God. Yet that same God offers forgiveness. This forgiveness is God welcoming his creation into relationship with him. Then verses 5 and 6, I wait for the Lord, my soul does wait, and in his word do I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning. Indeed, more than the watchman for the morning. We get this picture of the waiting, this watchful waiting. Uh, he uses the metaphor of a night watchman. And just like the watchman waits with hope that the sun will surely rise, the people of Israel were to wait watchfully with hope that God would also send the sun. Let me say that again. The watchman waits with hope that the sun will surely rise, and it will. And the people of God were to wait watchfully with hope that God would also send the Son, their Messiah. Verses 7 through 8. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is loving kindness, and with him is abundant redemption. He will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Here we see the worship. He gives great reason to worship. God is love and the provider of hope, and he will redeem Israel from their sin. So what does this all mean for us today? I think that the idea of these songs of ascents in some ways parallels with us today. Um, this was a, a, a people on a pilgrimage. They were on a journey to the city uh, to worship God and to meet with him. We, too, are pilgrims, church. This is not our home. Amen? We are on a journey, a pilgrimage to a new city. And although our travel may be rough at times, although it can be difficult and strenuous and seem to go through many valleys, we are to keep our focus upward on Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12 reminds us of that. Saying, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Chapter 12, verse 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We are to keep our eyes focused, fixed on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of the faith. And we too should be characterized as having matured spiritually over time. And I don't think that that process is necessarily a linear process. So we are saved by the grace of God. Amen, church? 
And in, in doing that, we become an infant in the faith, just a babe. And the goal is to mature in our faith, to be people that are whole, complete, that have found all we need. The, the Bible says in some places, perfect, meaning, again, complete. But that doesn't necessarily look like a linear graph. Um, I would even say it doesn't look like a stepwise graph. Sometimes there are some ebb and flow, amen, in our spiritual maturity. Uh, I had a professor in college that drew the map like this. But eventually, over time, those messy squiggles were on a rise. There was a gradual elevation gain. We should be a people maturing in the faith over time. There are lessons for us to learn from this psalm specifically as well. First, the weeping. The psalmist did not mince words in the opening verses, and neither should we. Our worship should not require that we clean up our feelings of grief, lament, sorrow, in order to worship. I do not believe that God gets more glory, nor do I believe that he desires for us to come to him and worship in spite of our pain. But instead, I think that we are to come to him in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our grief, in the midst of our lament and sorrow, not in spite of it. So church, cry out to God. Remember from Todd's sermon, it's okay. It's okay to say to God, God, I'm desperate. Are you even hearing me, God? In Celebrate Recovery, we say it's, not, it's okay to not be okay. And I couldn't even say it right, so I'm glad that that's true. It's okay to not be okay. God knows how we feel, so let us express those feelings to him. This is hard for me. Would we like to hurry through this process to get to the other side where we can say that God was faithful? that we saw that he had a plan all along. Well, yes. Do we feel a certain way, a certain anger or resentment or apathy? And do we wish that we were more spiritual than that? Yes. But if we're being honest, be honest with God. He knows already anyway. And there is a purpose behind the process. There is a purpose behind the process in the weeping. I just want to get through it. I want Because I know that God is faithful. Amen, church? I know that he has a plan. And I feel like if I can just bypass this other stuff, junk, and just get to the place, I want to hurry up and be there for, for the Lord's glory's sake. But God is our Father. And he wants to hear from us. And he doesn't want us to make something up, but to tell him how we feel and then to worship him in the midst of that, not in spite of it. We must also recognize in the welcoming that the God we are addressing is holy and awesome and to be feared. If we fail to recognize the character qualities of God that would lead us to fear him, we will never fully understand the beauty of his love and forgiveness. But we write off the idea of fear as just respect in our culture. 
and it includes the idea of respect, but I would say that it's much more than that. Once you've had an encounter with the God of the universe, you see how great he is and how small we are. In the scriptures, we see people encountering God, and time and time again, he tells them, fear not. You say, well, Keaton, what do you do with that? You just told us the scripture says that God tells his people to fear not. Well, they approached God in humility and fear. And then on his terms, he welcomed them and told them not to fear. Or in other cases, he showed up on the scene and they were filled with trembling and terror. And then he said, fear not. They didn't determine fear not for themselves And if you and I saw with our human eyes even just a glimpse of God's glory, I assure you, we would utterly tremble in his presence. And while at the same time, this God is full of forgiveness and he welcomes us into fellowship with himself. If we fail to recognize the qualities of God that would lead us to fear him, we will never fully understand the beauty of his love and forgiveness. We sang a song earlier, I Will Wait For You. I hope that it sounds familiar as we read this passage because it's drawn straight from that passage. Uh, Last week, um, Grant quoted the great theologian from Sarepta, Louisiana. Y'all know where that is? I do. I worked like 10 minutes from there once upon a time. Sarepta, Louisiana, the great theologian Trace Atkins Grant did such a good job last week. I mean, golly. Um, I'm not going to quote Trace Atkins, um, but there's another song we might could have sung today. And this theologian is a little more nomadic than that. He didn't just grow up in one community. Uh, His name is Mr. Tom Petty. And he said, the waiting is the hardest part. Many of you probably noticed the clock sitting here on the table. And how many of you does it bug that it's not keeping good time? Yeah. That was on purpose. That was on purpose. I got grief for that from the band this morning. Just like this clock is sitting here. I was sneaky, too. I made sure it was close to the right time when I started speaking so that I would catch you guys. It sits here, and it feels like it's not going anywhere, doesn't it? Sometimes when we're waiting, the hardest part is it feels like time is standing still. It's not going anywhere. Our songs that we did, in fact, sing today were about waiting because the people of Israel awaited God with a hope in his word. They were waiting Also, to go to these festivals and to meet with him in a special way, they were waiting on the promised Messiah to be sent. We wait on the same Messiah. Jesus is his name. We wait on him to return. And so hence, we sang these songs. And we too can hope in his word, which comforts us with the truth that God is present through his Holy Spirit And that he promises Jesus is coming back again. Amen, church? Amen. What about waiting on God to meet us? We we believe the Bible is true. We believe the promises that Jesus is coming back. 
But the Israelites knew the promise of the Messiah to come the first time was true. But they didn't have the same privilege that we have. The Holy Spirit wasn't sent yet. They had very intimate times of worshiping God that they couldn't just jump into at any time like we can. That waiting was in anticipation for those times of those festivals, those special meeting times with God. And on a side note, their waiting, it wasn't void of effort either. They were making a very strenuous journey to meet with God. We sometimes are in a waiting pattern. We wait on Jesus to return. We sometimes wait to hear a word from God. And even though we have great access to him through his word and through prayer, we go through dry spells sometimes, don't we, in our relationship with him. And our hearts cry out, longing to hear a word. Waiting can be very difficult, like a clock standing still. It can feel like we are doing nothing. It has likely felt that way for many of us lately during the COVID quarantines. Uh, my family's been stuck. <laughs> I've missed being here with you guys. And I've been held up waiting, waiting for day number 14. Uh, my son is still waiting. Uh, for many of you, I heard testimony like, we just can't wait anymore. We're, we're not so sure about our ability to stay healthy, but... We can't miss worship anymore. We're coming back. Uh, that's right. That's right. For some of you, maybe the waiting has nothing to do with COVID-19 or quarantines. Maybe you're waiting because you feel like you haven't heard from God in a long time. You're waiting because you feel like there are tasks to accomplish, but you don't know where they are. They're not laid out in front of you. Uh, Tom Petty says, every day, just one more card. But I'll ask this. As you wait for God, don't forget to think about what he is doing in you. Yes, we have tasks to accomplish in God's kingdom work, but much more, God himself has a work that he will accomplish in you for the sake of the kingdom. Philippians 1 and verse 6 says this, and I just want to read this. I hope to encourage you if you're feeling that waiting pattern right now. Philippians 1 verse 6, Paul says, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. He said he will perfect it. We are waiting on Jesus to return we are waiting maybe for some responsibility, something to do in God's kingdom work, and we just don't seem to be able to find what that is. But guess who's not waiting to do a work? God himself. He is active, and he is moving, and he is working in the lives of his people for the sake of his kingdom on this earth. And he, Paul says, will accomplish the work. He will perfect us until the day he tells Jesus to come back for us. We are waiting and watching. We should find ourselves hoping. And whom better to place our hope in than in Jesus? Eugene Peterson, who I told you about that book earlier, he 
he has a story in there that he actually was a notch. Uh, golly, I can't talk today. He actually was a night watchman. It's one of his responsibilities. And he said, uh, says in that book that he encountered all kinds of different people. And uh, some of them a little out there and, and some of them, well, he actually didn't mention any normal people. He said they were all strange. Which makes you wonder, if everyone else is strange, are they really? Or maybe you, the strange one. Anyway, he, uh, he says in there that somebody thought it a good idea to pay him several dollars an hour to sit and wait. He said in, he did that for a year. And in that year, he accomplished nothing. Never did he build anything. Never did he uh, accomplish much of anything to show but he just waited on Don. And he said, every day for a year, Don always came as he waited and watched and he hoped. Matthew chapter 24, verse 42 says this Therefore, be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what time, the not, the night, what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert, and he would not have allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason, you also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. Wait, watchful, hoping. Finally, the worship. God sent for the redemption of Israel Jesus, who offers redemption to us as well. This Jesus who left heaven to be born as a human by his virgin mother, yes, his virgin mother, lived a perfectly sinless life. He was crucified on the cross for the sins of the world, and he died. He was buried, but he did not stay dead. Because he was raised by the power of the Spirit of God, and he lives sitting at the right hand of the Father, waiting for the day. The Father will give him the instruction to return and to set the world right finally and to fully usher in the new kingdom and to take us the children of God, home. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to redeem you from all of your sins, just like he did Israel. Will you make him the focus of your worship? Will you place your hope in Jesus? In just a moment, we're going to have an opportunity to respond. There are three ways that you can do that this morning. One of those ways is you can go to the connect corner in the back. There will be a couple there that will, would love to speak with you. Um, they would love to talk with you, to pray with you. Another way you can do that is by turning in a connect card. If you're here in person, turn in that connect card. We would love to connect with you. Your pastors would love to reach out. If you're watching us online, you can text Connect HC to 94000 and then follow the link to our online Connect card and share with us a prayer request. Uh, you can express your need to plug in and serve. Uh, you can tell us that you need to hear some more information about something, some ministry that we have or something that the Bible teaches. Of course, you can 
also talk with us about entering into a relationship with Jesus. And now I'm going to invite the band to come back up. And that third way that you can respond is to take action. Maybe you're like me and you struggle with the first part of that psalm. You struggle with the weeping. You just want to get past that. You want to get to the part where you are reminded that God's in control. Then embrace the struggle. Weep before your Father who loves you. Maybe you've never accepted the welcome invitation of the Father into a relationship with Him, and you know that your sin is keeping you from Jesus. Then repent. Choose to follow Jesus, recognizing His death, burial, and resurrection, and be welcomed into the family of God. Maybe your action is to just Sit still and wait. Another beautiful psalm that we didn't cover in this series, Psalm 46, 10, says, Be still and know that I am God. Maybe the hardest action plan for any of us, to be still and wait, hoping. You're definitely going to get an opportunity now to worship. And so I hope that you will do that this morning as you respond to the Lord because he's worthy of it, because he has spoken to us, and now it is our job to reply. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you are good and great. You are gracious. God, we love you. We're blown away that you choose to enjoy a relationship with us. Holy God. God that is awesome, God that is to be feared, and yet you welcome us with forgiveness. We thank you. Pray for anyone here this morning that needs to enter into that relationship with you, that they would repent of their sins and follow Jesus. For those of us that are your children, may we cry out to you. May we thank you for inviting us in to this relationship we have with you. May we wait and watch and hope and give our worship to you, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. If you will please stand.